Romans chapter 15 verse 13. This is my prayer for us all. For you. Now the God of hope. The God of hope fill you. With all joy and peace. In believing. That you may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. The God of hope. The God of this full assurance, confident expectation of the manifestation of his goodness and of his glory. May the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy. That inner exuberance and peace. That confidence that everything has been reconciled to his original intent. So that regardless of what it looks like, irregardless of what it appears, we know it is finished. And we know that this too will work together for my good. So may that God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say, I'm a believer. And that you may abound and overflow in hope. That you may abound and overflow and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. By the power of the Holy Ghost. So that the very Spirit of God will work mightily within you. That God of hope, by His Spirit, will work within you to cause that hope to rise and to bubble over. Not any kind of hope, but His hope. It says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, talking about Abraham, who was promised a child when he was old and his wife was also very old. So that from a natural perspective it was an impossibility. But you see, no word of God is without power. No word of God lacks the ability within itself to bring fulfillment. Amen? The life is in the seed. <laughs> the future of the seed is in the seed. So it says in, in Romans 4 verse 18, talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. When there was no natural hope, when there was no human, natural hope, he believed in hope. There was another kind of hope that he had. He believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. According to that which was spoken. Where was the hope coming from? From that which was spoken. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
Isaiah 41 verse 10 which I quoted earlier says fear not for I am with thee he didn't say fear not because of what the circumstances are, are saying you look at the circumstances and you can faint at times so be not dismayed because I am your God I am your God I am your hope I am your strength this hope comes from me this hope comes from my word because it is written Abraham had hope another kind of hope when there was no natural hope I will strengthen thee yea I will help thee I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness my only part in this verse is fear not all the rest of it is his he will uphold me he will he will strengthen me he will help me it is by the hand of by the hand of his righteousness blessed be the name of the Lord there is a supernatural divine hope that God wants us to walk in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 Paul prayed that that the eyes of our understanding would be open and that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and cause the eyes of our understanding to be open so that we might know and be intimate and have a, a, a deeper grasp and to know what is the hope of his calling what is his expectation what is in his heart what is he believing what is he expecting what is it that he desires what is it that he is seeing to know what is the hope of his calling it's a supernatural divine hope it is a hope that comes to you only by the new birth you know I find it interesting in Peter Peter as he as he walked the shores of Galilee as he walked with Jesus looked so much to himself his confidence was so much in his own arm and his own ability so that even after Jesus was resurrected he still decided with his leadership he still decided I'm gonna go fishing and he had such leadership influence the rest of them said well we go fishing too but you know when Jesus ministered to him and restored him and told him that it's gonna come upon the time as you get older that, you know I mean you're gonna go not where you have planned but you're gonna be so led by the Spirit of God and even as Paul said you will be so uh, Paul used a, a, a verse where Paul said in, in um, Acts let me get it let me get it where Paul said in Acts 20 verse 22 and now behold I go bound in the spirit I go bound in the spirit and Jesus told, told Peter that you're gonna get to that place as you get older well in the first Peter you see Peter Peter has so much to say about this hope and I believe Peter made it there's a shift that took place in Peter's life where his hope was no longer in himself but his hope was in God his hope was was because of God because of the strength of God and it was something he was born again into in first Peter chapter 1 verse 3 the Spirit of the Lord but Peter's pen says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again God has born again unto 
a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a hope that you are born again to. And Peter was born again to this hope. And this hope is part of the inheritance of the saints. It is not something um, as much as it has been paid for and every human being has a right to it. You, only, you can only be born again to it. Without being born again, this is not a hope that will become part of your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says that one, there was a time when, you, if you remember, when we were in time past, we were Gentiles. We were without God in the flesh. And at that time we were without Christ. We were aliens. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who were sometimes afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. It is only by the new birth that this hope becomes a part of our life. But God wants us to have a grasp and a comprehension of this hope. It is His hope. We were born again to it. Amen? It's His hope. We were born again to it. But God wants us to, because as we grasp this hope, and as we allow this hope to permeate our thinking, and to lodge, and to be engrafted within our minds, it will become an anchor for our souls. Even in the midst of the turbulence that can happen in life, that, that supernatural divine hope that is from God, that is the hope of God, can anchor your soul. And God wants you to take a hold of this hope. God wants you to be anchored in this hope. God wants you to be filled up with this hope. God wants you to abound and overflow in this hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans, um, Galatians chapter 5. Say God's hope. God's hope. Hmm. Uh, just on the way to Galatians chapter 5, let me stop off at Colossians chapter 1. For the hope which is, reading from verse, verse 4, Colossians 1. When we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints, we begin to pray, we begin to believe God and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. It is laid up for you. It is yours. It has been paid for. It has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. It belongs to you. Going back to Peter again. Sorry. So Peter says this is the hope that you are born again to. And then he goes on to say in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. He says. Verse 20, that verily Jesus who was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God. That your faith and your hope might be in God. That your faith and your hope might be centered and might rest in God. It is God's hope. He is the source of the hope. It is a hope you've been born again to. And it has been laid up for you. You have a right to it. It's been paid for. Now in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5. It says... We through the Spirit wait 
for the hope of righteousness by faith. We wait for this hope. We are looking. We have this expectation. We are desiring to possess and to walk this hope out. What hope? The hope of righteousness. It is a hope that comes, that is directly connected to the oneness that you have with God in Christ. You, you only become the righteousness of God when you are born again. Because Jesus was made to be sin for us that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. But once you are born again and you are grafted in and you come into this oneness with God, God's hope becomes your hope. So it is a hope of that righteousness. Now, on the other hand, it is, it is, it is, it is as we talk about this hope, what we must also recognize, it is a hope of righteousness. It is not founded in self-righteousness. Because you see, there is a trap that we can all fall into where we think we are doing everything right. We have done everything right. We've prayed right. We've fasted right. We've done the right, this right. And because we have done all these things right, therefore, this is my expectation. Therefore, I can have hope. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says being ignorant of the righteousness of God to go about trying to seek their own. God does not want you to build. God wants you to live right. We are to live right. We are to do right. He that knows to do good and do it not to him, it's sin. But our righteousness, but this hope and all the benefits of our salvation is not because of our doing, it's because of what he has done. It is by grace that it might be by faith. Amen? It is by faith that it might be by grace. It is grace. This hope is, is, is part of what grace provides. So we've got to be careful that we don't shift into this place as diligent as we must be to make our calling and our election sure. We must not allow ourselves to fall into the trap wherein we think that we are now good enough. And therefore, because I've done this and I've done that, therefore, this is my hope. This is my expectation. You've got to continually make sure that your hope is centered in God. Are you with me? Amen. Why? Because you see when we slip over into self-righteousness, then the Bible says that we are making Jesus' death of none effect. In other words, why did he have to die if I could have figured it all out, if I could have do this and do that? Amen. So, it is a righteousness which is a faith. And, um, and Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3 and verse 15 that we might with meekness have an answer. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, he says, Sanctify the Lord in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. And to give an answer with meekness and with fear and trembling. Give an answer, not, not an answer, Oh, I have this hope, do you want to know why? And No, I'm bragging myself. No, in meekness. Recognizing your source of your strength and, of your, and your submission to him. But have an answer. Why do I have this hope? Where is this hope coming from? What is the essence of it? Turn with me to... Um, turn me to Hebrews chapter 10 just for a moment. Let me just, let's just scan, scan through this a little bit. Say the hope of righteousness. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the, the worshippers once purged will have no more consciousness of sin. 
the very essence the very essence of, of righteousness is having no consciousness of sin having no consciousness of any separation with God but living in that place continually wherein you are one with him and because of that oneness you're able to exercise authority because of that oneness you are an heir of God a joint heir with Christ because of that oneness having been washed by the blood there's a freedom from guilt and condemnation and insecurity and fear and all of these things and instead you have a confidence and a boldness amen amen so and it is so it is a it is a hope of that that comes out of that righteousness comes out of that no no that that freedom from the consciousness of separation from God. So Hebrews chapter ten it talks about that, and it and it and it goes on to say, uh, it it says that um, in verse, it was saying the fact that the, and the, the blood of bulls and goats and the, and those the sacrifices were not acceptable. But Jesus said he came in the volume of the book. He presented his own self as the sacrifice. And in verse 9, he says, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified, made whole, holy, and separated unto God, consecrated unto God, by the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, this hope is because of resurrection. This hope is because of the very sacrifice of Christ. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and oftentimes the same sacrifice, which could never take away sins. His sacrifice took away sins. It took away that separation. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. So you see, where, where, where is Jesus' hope? Where is Jesus' heart at? Where is the Father's heart at? Because of what Jesus has finished, God has this expectation that all his enemies will be made his footstool. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, And because by that one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So there is this expectation, there is this hope, there is this confidence that all of Jesus' enemies will be made his footstool because of his sacrifice and because by that sacrifice you and I have been perfected forever. So where then is this hope coming from? Peter said that you might have a reason, you may, you may have an answer for those that will come along and say, well, why do you have such hope? Why do you expect any, every enemy to be made your footstool? Why do you believe that no weapon formed against you will prosper? Why do you believe that, that God will wipe away the tears? Why do you believe that, that um, this sickness here is not going to end in death, but rather there's going to be a resurrection? Why do you believe that, um, that you're going to be able to live and declare the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God and His greatness and His goodness? Why do you believe these things? Why do you have this confidence? Where is it coming from? Well, it is coming from the fact that number one, the sacrifice. Which means what? Jesus put it in John 19 verse 30, and this is how he put it. He says, it is finished. Say, it is finished. But you see, in that it is finished, and in that sacrifice, it also means that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. And made a show of them openly. In other words then, he, he, he trampled upon the head of the enemy. He defeated the enemy. And Jesus was raised up from the dead, glorious, having the keys of hell and death and of the grave. And those keys, we have access to those keys. Those keys are given to us. He says he's given us the keys of the kingdom. So here, why do we have this confidence? Why do we have this confident expectation? Why do we have this hope? Because it is finished. 
Not only is it finished, but because of, because of the fact that we have now, we have this authority that has been given to us. His victory over the enemy is our victory. His def he defeated the enemy for us. Through him, we are more than conquerors. And you see, having that authority, we can execute that authority. We can bind, we can take authority over the devil, we can rebuke, we can, we can command, we can do that stuff. But let me just say this though, because you see, the authority, there is the authority, but then there is the reality of who you are. And authority is, is wonderful, isn't it? But can you, can you imagine a police officer or, 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 um, or sheriff right, who has a badge, but he doesn't know he's a sheriff, but he's got a badge. And that badge has authority, indicates authority. But if he doesn't know who, who, if he, doesn't know who he is, how effective will he be in walking that authority out? In other words then, the authority is important, but who you are is also very important. You need to know who you are, and then, ex and then act like who you are, execute the authority as you have need to. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. Does it say that? But then it goes on to say in verse 10, and that, and that you are complete in Him. So the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ and Christ is in you. Then you are complete and the fullness of the Godhead is in you. You are the righteousness of God. Now I'm not going to go off on, on, studying, on, on, on studying who we are in Christ. But you are the very offspring of God. By that one offering, He has perfected you forever. Inside of your spirit, there's this absolute total perfection. And not only that, but He raised you up. And he made you to sit together he, at, at his right hand. He said, look, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Remember that? John chapter 14. And he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And, this, and I'm going to come again and I'm going to get you. Well, when he died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, that was the place he prepared. In him, at the Father's right hand. And when the moment, and when you are, and we are born again, that's where we are seated. Amen. He's already come and gotten you. Did you know that? <laughs> right. And we're not talking about the second return. He says, "I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come and I'm going to get you, and I'll make sure that where I am, there you will be also. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Me and you, and all of us together." We will make our abode with you. John chapter 14, verse 21 and 23. <clears throat> Thomas said, where is the way? How are we going to get there? We don't know the way. Jesus says, look, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen. But because I live, because I'm at the right hand of the Father, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these. You're going to walk in this authority. Why? Because of where I am and because you are now seated with me. So there is the issue, so why do we have this, this confident expectation? Because it is finished, because of who he is, because of who we are, and because of the authority that we've got. He says, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But you've got to execute that authority. The righteousness which is of faith doesn't sit back in the corner and wonder. It speaks. It doesn't say, Jesus, come up or come down. No. What does it say? It's near you. It's near to your mouth. You do the speaking. Until you declare and until you decree, Jesus, your high priest, has nothing to work with. 
Because he's the apostle and the high priest of your profession. What are you professing? Are you saying what he has already said? Are you saying what is already done? Are you with me? But as we do that, as we walk in our authority, then what happened? As we walk in our authority, then those, the, the hope that we have is validated. The hope that we have can be realized. We have got a divine supernatural hope. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on what it looks like. It's not based on the natural. It's not based on what it feels like. Abraham had a supernatural hope and that's not where it came from. You look at the things that are seen, it can cause you to faint. David says, but because, because I believed in him, because of what I had believed, to see the expectation, to see the goodness of the God in the land of the living, because of who he is, that's why I didn't faint. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you see, <laughs> just to take this a little further, the issue of authority. Can you imagine Jesus said, whosoever shall what? Say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever he says. You know what Jesus basically said? He says you can have what you say, if you can learn to talk right and believe right. Amen? He says you decree, you declare whatever you hear the Lord say, you begin to declare it, you begin to decree it. The fact that you can have what you say, that in and of itself ought to cause hope to bubble up on the inside of you. Think about it. The fact that life and death is in the power of your tongue. If we would believe it. Life and death. We can declare. We can decree. We can speak life. We can curse the fig tree. We can curse that sickness. We can curse that cancer. We can command that cancer to die in its roots. And to come out of our bodies in Jesus name. We can declare life and resurrection power flowing out of our spirit into every cell, into every joint because our spirit is life because of righteousness. Romans 8 verse 10. We can do that. But you got to do it. Amen? But think about that. How much, what, what does that do for your hope to recognize that we've got that authority? You see, that is why, God, that's why, that's why it says, um, Paul prayed that we would know what is this hope. You can have it and not know it. You can have that hope and it be dormant. You can be ignorant of it and as a result be alienated from the very life and the very power and the very authority and the victory. Amen. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace. And here is this word. In believing. That you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hope. Say hope. Now, in life sometimes, you know, there's places in life, both in the spirit and in the natural that we haven't been before. But guess what? You got the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. He will teach you to prosper. He will lead you in a way in which you should go. Now, does, is his ministry valid? Can he really lead you? Can he really guide you? Can he really teach you? Can you really bring things to your remembrance? Well, if you have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, is that not a reason to hope? Is that not a reason? Now, you see, the unbeliever don't have that. Alright? The unbeliever that is not that has me, that isn't seated with Christ, that don't have that authority over the enemy, don't have that. That's why it's a hope of righteousness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, if I wasn't born again, 